You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. You've got a lion inside of you. You know, they put lions uh, from birth into zoo. They put them in a cage. You put a lock on the cage, and they feed them in the cage. They sleep in the cage. They do everything in the cage, all day long in the cage. But I never did understand why they, if, if it's tamed, right, why do they keep a lock on the cage? I'll tell you why, because the lion just could wake up one day and not think it's institutionalized and become a lion again. How many know it's a day for the church to become the church again? How many know the church has been locked up, shut down, muzzled? How many know it's time for her to come alive again? Be the church, the one she's called to be, a lion, right? I mean, we're serving the lion of the tribe of Judah. We're heirs and joint heirs with Christ, so we we are to be worshipers of Christ. They were called Christians first over at Antioch. That's where we got last week. And today we're going to stop at a mid uh, point in the book of Acts series we've been in. And so we're going to stop at chapter 13. But boy, is chapter 13, chocker block full, full. I hope you read it. I hope you're ready for it. But it is absolutely full. Uh, and I'll see how far I can go and what I can do. But I, I, I want to say something about our church. Phil and Kim, welcome. We're glad to have you home, our missionaries to Papua New Guinea. And uh, we appreciate them being sent. Uh, the title of the message today is called Send and Be Sent. Chapter 13. Now Paul is going to be sent on the first missionary journey. The Spirit of God is moving in the church. And uh, the New Testament church was an active church. They were a church that was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They listened. They were a worshiping church. They were a generous church. They were a blended church. Remember last week we talked about it. Jews and now Gentiles coming together. Different cultures coming together. Different people are coming together. And it's a recipe for a revival or a rupture. One or the other is going to happen. How I many know oh, we need Jesus to make it? When you pull different people in for different cultures in, you better come in with one common denominator. And guess who that is? Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. So we're going to take a look at it today, and then we're going to stop and take a break. Uh, I know you've been in Acts for a long time, and uh, some of you just take a little break and then come back to it for the journeys of Paul as he takes the gospel to the ends of the earth. But uh, chapter 13, if you're in your uh, your Bible, lesson 13. Now in the church, there's the word church from the word ecclesia. Ek, the called out ones. How many know God is calling people out? Calling you out of the world. How many know he never calls you out of something? He doesn't call you into something else. He's setting apart the church. He's pulling them aside just like he did out of Egypt. They were called out of Egypt. Called Moses. His name means to be drawn out, right? Drew him out of the Nile and into the kingdom. That's what God's doing with the New Testament church. And so... Here's the church. It's mentioned right there in case you don't know what church is. I mean, no, church is the place where God's people meet for worship, for prayer, for fasting, for gathering, for breaking of bread, for fellowship, for all of the above, right? Acts chapter 2 all over again. So they met, and there was uh, in the church that was at Antioch in Syria. There were two Antiochs. We'll see the Antioch, uh, Pisida, Pisida, however you say it. It'll be a little later on in this chapter, actually. 
But uh, this is the one in Syria. And there were certain prophets and teachers just stopping, stopping right there. God is calling people in the church. How many know God calls prophets? Still today. I know there's a lot of theologians and people who think they're called cessationists, that, that, uh, that it's no longer for us today, that, that uh, in the New Testament, after the apostles and all, there's no more missionaries. Phil, you can prove that that's not true. There's an apostle couple right there, sent from God, one who is sent, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the five-fold ministry gifts, prophets were there. Teachers were there. Can somebody shout God for teachers? Shout out to God for teachers. Boy, if you're a teacher, God can use you to be a voice. Every vocation. Listen to this now at the onset of this, because I believe God calls everyone. Some he calls into the five-fold ministry gifts. Others he calls into other vocations, but all of them have one missional purpose. Amen? So I know sometimes we're regimented and locked in by our culture and, and different things and rules and regulations, but how many know if you're called of God, you have a purpose that's greater than your assignment? It is to bring people into the, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So prophets and teachers, and here he names them. Here's some first time we see a few names. Five in particular, Barnabas, we already knew him, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. He was in the palace. He was in high places. How many know God can still save people and put them in high places to influence, to influence people for the glory of God? So everybody has been talked uh, talked to by the Holy Spirit, commissioned by the Holy Spirit. And even if your assignment is not vocational ministry, how many know God can use you in every area that he chooses? Amen. One goal. As they ministered, very important, ministered to who? Read it with me. Ministered to the Lord. Somebody shout to the Lord. Ministry is first to the Lord. Well, there's a whole lot of people trying to do ministry to people without trying to minister first to the Lord. You must first minister to the Lord. Acts 1.8, remember that? And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be ministering unto me. Witnesses unto me. You're called to me, he said. This is Jesus, Holy Spirit, right? Speaking, ministry unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And here's where, here's where we're going from Antioch and beyond. But look what they were doing. Regular routine. Regular old Sunday. At Oak Grove, we don't believe in a regular old Sunday. How many know there is no such thing as a regular old Sunday? Cause God could save somebody today. And if it's your son or daughter getting saved, how many know there's nothing regular about that? And so he can save somebody. He can fill somebody with the Holy Spirit this morning. He can baptize somebody. He can do all kinds of eternal things in the house of the Lord. So, so that they went into the house, the synagogue, where there was already established to the Jewish people, and that's where they began. And while they were doing the regular routine, ministering to the Lord and fasting and fasting, and there's a lost art in the church called fasting, giving up the flesh, Setting yourself apart. 
for God to speak to you because our God speaks. If you will voluntarily give up your time, your talent, your, your, your efforts, your, your technology for a minute, I don't know how much screen time you have. I'm not against it. I'm just saying, how much God time do you have? How much are you ministering to the Lord? Because ministry happens between Sundays, not just today. So, so they're ministering to the Lord and fasting and praying. Just a regular prayer meeting. Can I tell you, this is probably one of the most prominent second to Acts chapter two prayer meetings. But do you remember that one? The Lord said, I'm going away, but you need to go to Jerusalem and wait and pray. And they did. Ten days. And out of that ten-day prayer meeting came a Holy Spirit revival, wind and fire and manifestations of the glory of God that empowered them to be sent out into the world. Because God's calling and God's goal is for the church to be, (laughs) to send and be sent. I'm so proud of Oak Grove for being a sending church. Phil, Kim, we're with you. You went to P&G. We went with you on our knees. Amen? We didn't go logically, physically like they did, logistically, but we went on our, on our knees, didn't we? We went with our pocketbook to support them, and David and Amy and the Nichols and, and, and uh, all the rest of them. <laughs> Tony and Gary, there's so many kids out there. We sent so many, I can't keep up with them. Praise the Lord. We're ascending church. Can I tell you, that's a New Testament model. That people out of your congregation, mature, spirit-filled adults, took off and took the gospel somewhere else. That's what's about to happen right here. And this is what happened. While they were praying, ministering, fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I can just park right there, Max, and preach all day long. The Holy Spirit speaks. He don't speak to me, Pastor. Oh, yes, he does. I beg to differ. That's what they would say in the Ozarks. I beg to differ. I don't think it's a problem with the Holy Spirit speaking. I think the problem might be reception. Are you ministering to the Lord? For the first prerequisite to hear from the Holy Spirit, is to minister to Jesus. Minister to the Lord fast. Set your time aside. Do something besides what you want to do all the time. How about what he wants? Get on his agenda. Get on his timetable. Do something for him and he will speak. And here's what he said. Now separate to me. (laughs) Every three words I have to stop and preach a little bit. Every three words. I know I'm not going to get through chapter 13. It's not going to happen. I might get three verses today. Separate now. When? Right now. Right now. Not tomorrow, not next year, not next week. Now. I mean, when God speaks, he means for you to move when he speaks. I'll tell you what, I give commands all the time. When I give a command to my staff, I want them not to look at me, stare at me like I just fell off a horse. When... How many know your word is all you got? Your word is all you got. And if you don't respect the word from your commanding officer, how many know you're not going to do it? On your schedule, on your time? How many know when the Holy Spirit speaks, the only thing for you to do is obey? Instantly. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. 
Don't send them to Bible school. Don't wait till they get their credential. Don't wait. Now, go. Aye, aye, sir. Are y'all hearing me? When the Holy Spirit speaks, how many know devil also speaks? <laughs> There's a speaking devil in case you never heard from him. He's always there. He usually speaks after the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, separate me now. Satan says, you got plenty of time. Holy Spirit says, I want Barnabas and Saul. Devil says, take somebody else. They're too mean. They're going to destroy my uh, plans. <laughs> I mean, no, Barnabas, look at the order. Barnabas and Saul. Are you seeing that? Barnabas and Saul haven't even called him Paul yet. That means the church, church is, is still dealing with, with Paul. They're, they're still dealing with this idea that I'm not sure he's the one. How many know it doesn't matter what you think? If God speaks and calls, how many know it's the one who ordains, not us? I said God's the one that selects and calls and sets set apart. I don't know what you're feeling up to today, but I'm feeling frisky. I'm feeling frisky because the Holy Ghost has just got under my fifth rib and I'm about to have myself a revival all by myself. Listen to me. If God speaks, you move. And sometimes we're so conditioned to get educated, prepared, and nothing wrong with all that. There's nothing wrong with all that. But sometimes when you get to sitting idle and contemplating and thinking, you don't, do you know you can talk yourself right out of the will of God? You can talk yourself right out of the will of God. Now, separate to me, to me, not to Oak Grove, not to the Assemblies of God, me. Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, not Paul and Barnabas. We'll see that later. But a major exchange is going to happen. But right now, Barnabas is in charge. You seeing that? Barnabas and Saul. For what, pastor? For the work to which I have called one calling, listen clearly. I talked to a lot of people about contemplating the call of God, confusing themselves about the will of God and the plan of God. I believe that God has a plan for every person under the sound of my voice today. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. It's very personal. It's planned out. God has the blueprints and he's willing to speak it to you. If you listen, if you'll minister to the Lord, he will speak exactly. Sometimes he leaves out a few details. I don't know why. Plan to ask him that first question when I get to heaven. Because there's a lot of things I could have seen on the forefront if he'd just fill in the blanks. But how many know there's no blank? There's, I mean, there's a blank in my head and Satan takes the blanks I said, Satan takes the blanks in communication and he gives you the opportunity to be distracted, disillusioned, disappointed because you don't understand, you don't understand delays. You don't understand when God doesn't give you details. Is anybody hearing me today? God's speaking to somebody. He told Abraham, Hey, leave your country. He set him apart. You understand? Leave your country and your kinsmen. Leave all of them. That's what missions work is all about, right? It's not easy. You think it's easy to get on an airplane? That's not tourism. I said going to P&G is not tourism. 
I'm sure there's a beach somewhere I'll see. But if Phil gets me to P&G, I'm not going to the beach. I'm going to the Bible school. There's a work. He said, there's a work out there I'm calling you to. It's, it's apostolic. It's, it's being sent, sending, sending and being sent. So we don't have the privilege of just sitting around and paying money to send somebody else. Here, my Lord, send Brother Phil. No. God's speaking to you. He's sending some of y'all to Walmart. Hey, hey, God forbid. Go in packing, whatever you do. It's a different day. Sending some of you to the campus, a school. He's sending some of you into the law office, the doctor's office. He's sending some of you into different places so you can be an influence to the work. There's only one work. And here's how Jesus said, I've come for one work. To seek and save that which is lost. That's the work of the Lord. That's the work we're all involved. Whether we're at mercy, Pastor Mark. Whether we're at mercy with all the, the chaos. With all the security issues. Mark will text me sometimes. I got to go over here. They're going crazy over there. It's everywhere. How many know the world's going mad? In case you hadn't seen that. And ministry. What? How many know ministry can go from calm to chaos? In a flat second, you could just be in your office studying, hallelujah, praying, ministering to the Lord. Explosion. How many fires, Melissa, have we put out in the ministry? I guess we could be called firefighters. Sometimes referees. Keeping this side of the church from hating this side of the church. Hello. And so the Holy Spirit speaks and he said, Separate these two for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted, look, like, like they weren't fasting enough. You know why they were so thin back in the, in the New Testament? They didn't eat pork for one. Number two, they fasted a lot. And they prayed a lot. And then the church came in and laid hands on them. Well, I'll never forget Melissa and I's ordination. She was like nine months pregnant. Three weeks away from giving birth to Tori. And, uh, you know, the wife is supposed to lay hands on the husband as he's getting ordained, but she couldn't reach me. <laughs> he, was, he was way out there. Tori was born three days after the ordination. Three days after ordination, Tori was born, came into the world. And so I, I remember, though, getting on my knees, and they put that mantle over my, and the presbytery laid their hands on me. Man, how. How incredible that feeling, uh, so, uh, and so God speaks and brings you to that moment. How many know Satan speaks and tell you you never got called a day in your life? Satan also speaks and says, you're not worthy to do the kingdom work. Satan speaks and says, set you apart. Who are you to bring the gospel anywhere? How many know the devil is a liar? If God calls you, how many know he is the one that gives you the credibility to go? And even though they're laying hands, they are, they're getting in partnership with God because it's the Holy Spirit who spoke. It's the Holy Spirit who, who helped them to know what to do, right? But it's the church that got involved, laid hands on them. And the Bible says that the church, the, the church said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to set apart Barnabas and Saul. And they sent them away. Not forever. They'll be back. So being sent out by the who? 
If you don't get anything else, I hope you leave with that. I mean, no, he's doing the business. This is not the acts of the apostles. This is the acts of the Holy Spirit. He's moving. He's doing miracles. He's casting out devils. I mean, no, he, it's his power. Why? Because it's his church. It's his church. And so many times we can get mis- misled, misconstrued, and start focusing on the mission as if it's ours instead of the one we're supposed to be ministering to. It all belongs to Jesus. He's the king. We're the servants. I said, he's Lord. We're the servants. And Jesus, just before he left, he got all the guys together and in the upper room, and he washed their feet. He washed their feet. And if you want to understand, there was in that room, there were 13 men. Twelve thought they were the Lord, and only one acted like a servant. When the reality is there was only one Lord, it's supposed to have been 12 servants. But none of them wanted to wash anybody else's feet. In fact, two of them, the mama came in and said, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, would you put my boys one on the right and one on the left? And that's the concept. That's the misconception, actually, that people have about ministry. I believe every Christian is a minister. This calling and commission is not just for the few. The perfect, the credentialed. God wants to speak to you today. Setting you apart, apart from the world. Oh, I don't have time to preach that. But wouldn't it be good if some of our preachers got set apart from the world to do the work of God? So caught up in the world. I don't have time to go there. Anytime God chooses something, he calls it holy. He selects it, even if it's a tongs from off the altar. Those old tongs are just utensils. But when God separates it, puts it aside, how many know they're called holy? Anything God chooses and puts to the side is his. It's his tongs, therefore they're holy. For his use, therefore they're holy. So the Holy Spirit sent out them. And they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. Cyprus now is Barnabas' hometown. Barnabas' hometown. And uh, took a young boy with him. How I many know oh, God's, uh, God can call young people? Hey, hey, God can call young people. Tyler, God can call young people. Ashley, God can call young people. Amen. Annie, Kenny, God called John Mark to go with them. I said, John Mark went with him. That is, that is Barnabas's cousin. I don't know if it's first, second. I know he's a relative. John Mark and Saul and Barnabas. They went to Cyprus. First, they went to Seleucia. I think I might have, I might have a little map. I'll show you in a second. But when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God there in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also, there it is. They also had John as their assistant. And I tell you, every pastor needs an assistant. And now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. How many know the devil's always there in your ministry? I said, there's always a devil. Even Jesus had one of the 12 listening to the voices and the influences of Satan. Judas misconstrued, didn't have the right idea, had the wrong mission, was all caught up in the mission of taking care of those stinking Romans that he forgot that Jesus is Messiah. Didn't even see it. Didn't see that coming. And they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, 
For every prophet, there's a false prophet. I wish somebody helped me preach today. I feel like I feel like I want to preach, but I'm not getting what I need. I need some love. I need some help. He was a false prophet, a Jew. Imagine that. Imagine that. One from among them, a Jew whose name was Bar Jesus. Now, uh, Bar is the human name, right? A surname. And Jesus is a very common name in the Middle East. You know what I mean? Just like everybody's son's name, Jesus. Uh, just so happened that our Jesus was given his name by Almighty God. And you shall call him Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Come on now. Amen. Jesus and he, the government, will be on his shoulder. He will rule and reign. So this is not just any Jesus. This is any Jesus. But that one, that was just not any Jesus. Who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulos. So this is a big dignitary, high-ranking official, and he was very intelligent man, okay? Very intelligent man. And uh, this man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. What does that mean? That means there's rich people that like to hear about Jesus. There's smart people that would like to get here about Jesus. You know why? It's because the Holy Spirit is still wooing and calling people from all kinds of classes and walks and backgrounds and places in life. He's calling people in PNG. He's calling people in Springfield, Missouri. I said, there's an Ozark hillbilly waiting to be hearing the word of God. And you might have the word for them. If you listen, minister to the Lord. Listen to this. This is what happened. Elemus, the sorcerers, they, they call that, is the name is is the name translated sorcerer Elemus withstood them withstood them let me just tell you right out every time you try to do anything for God anytime you try to do anything for God there will be an Elemus there will be a devil or a sorcerer or somebody a false prophet or somebody trying to work against the work of God Sometimes it's just plain old flesh. Sometimes it's people's preference or whatever they want instead of what God's want. Heard this week that uh, I was talking to Andy, said heard about a church that split on the, on the color of the carpet or whether they should have carpet or this or that, uh, uh, pews or chairs. A church split over pews or chairs. I mean, no, that don't make any sense. We're not about pews and chairs. We're about Jesus. I don't care what color the walls are. It's about Jesus. But people have their own preferences, their own ideas. You know what? Oak Grove is based upon principles, not preferences. We went through the war. We went through the worship war. Well, I think we ought to all sing hymns and only hymns because God can't anoint anything but a hymn. And God anointed him, and he walked right out the door. But he withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Look what his, his goal was to distract and distort and pull people away from faith in Christ. Hey, if that's you and I find you, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. It won't happen in this house. I will find you. Backslide and then get saved again. Amen. It was a joke, but you didn't get it. (laughs) I will find you. And we will have a meeting because anybody turns away any little one. Hey, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brother, you've done it unto Jesus. And Jesus takes this thing called kingdom work pretty seriously. 
And guess what? As the under-shepherd in this house, I take it pretty serious too. And if you have a, if you have a goal or a spirit in you that is, is interested in dividing, if you have a spirit in you that's interested in, in distorting, dividing, distracting anything happening in this house, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. And I'll listen, but I'll also talk. Because the Holy Spirit talks, and so does Pastor Ron. And we'll have a talk. It's not a threat, friends. This is just a promise. God can't stand somebody who causes discord among the brethren. It's a spirit of arrogance. It's a spirit of pride. It's a spirit of divisiveness. We're talking about a blended church, a unified church, a missional church. Send and be sent. Be a part of the church. You're not here to take up space. So he's he's pulling this pro-council away who's hungry for God. Don't you know the church in general, the small C, maybe the big, big C in the culture, has turned a lot of people away from the faith. People in the house have turned people away from the house because of their attitudes, because of their dissension, because of all the arrogance and pride. I mean, we got to staunch that. We got to stop that. I said, how many know we got to put the devil right under our feet and keep him there? Put your foot on his neck and keep him there. And then Saul said, who is also called Paul, changed his name now. He was filled with the spirit. How many think that's pretty important? Just like Stephen. Now we're reading his credential. It looks just like Stephen, who is full of the Holy Ghost. And you remember what happened to him. He's gone. If you aspire to be in the ministry, I'm not here to discourage you. But you could get stoned to death and die. All right. He looked right at this guy. Just kind of like I was telling you. I'll look right at you, intently at you, and say, oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? You mean you spend all your time trying to sow discord among the brethren? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you. See, Paul never gave a sentence from Paul. He gave a sentence from the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind. Wow. You won't see the light of the sun for a a season of time. Hey, hey, that's big stuff right there. And immediately, when? Immediately. Immediately. I can see, and then now I can't. A dark mist fell on him, and he went around and said, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, 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 Mr. Proconsul, he is real. He is real. I know, but I'm blind now. Don't mess with Jesus. That's the message he had, seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. And then the Proconsul believed when he saw that he had, what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So Paul took time to teach that. So the first missionary call. The Spirit's the one that spoke. He set apart Barnabas. He set apart Saul for the work he called him to do. Amen? So here's the little map I was showing you. So took off from Jerusalem, went to Judea, Samaria, and now Syria, which is Antioch up at the top on the coast. Went to Salamis over there on the island of Cyprus, right? Salamis, uh, or Cyprus, Salamis, and Paphos. And then he went up to Pisidian, Antioch, way up at the top. I don't know if you can see that. I try to help you, but you can't see it's too far. Maybe this will help you. So Acts chapter 13, verse 4, in Antioch, Syria, from the church, they got sent to Cyprus, Acts 13, 5, that's Salamis, and 6, right? Paphros, 
and then up to chapter uh, 13, verse 14, right, or, or uh, 1351. See, he's just going all over, 14, 8, 14, uh, 14, 13, 14, 13, 51. All over Asia Minor, he's going to be telling the gospel different places. Finds a city, goes into the Jewish synagogue, starts to teach. Well, the Jews, well, you'll see here in a little bit, start to uh, get a little bit upset. They're losing, they're losing uh, what we call influence. Let me tell you something about influence. Everybody wants to be the boss. Everybody wants to be the big dog. You heard about that man that called the church one day, said, I want to talk to the big dog. Well, the secretary answered and said, excuse me? Said, I want to talk to the big dog. Well, she said, I don't know who you're referring to, sir. He said, I said, I want to talk to the big dog. She said, sir, if you're referring to our pastor, we do not refer to our pastor as no big dog. And he said, well, I've got a million dollars I was going to give to the church. She said, hold on. I hear him barking coming down the hall, hall right now. I hear that dog a barking coming down the hall right now. He's the big dog. Everybody wants to be the big dog. Can I tell you, for every elevation of leadership comes an anointing of power. And with every anointing of power and leadership, listen, comes a challenge from the enemy. New level, new devil. It's not going to be a picnic, not a walk in the park. So Paul is going to these places. He's going to make them mad as a hornet. And uh, D got attacked by a hornet this week, but he made it, survived, right? And also Max came in this morning in the sanctuary. He said, Pastor, you call me? I said, no, my son, go back and lay down. The Lord is calling you. <laughs> I don't know. We got, there we go. Uh, God is helping us. God is helping us. I just want to give you a couple of things and let you go home. But I want to just show you how all this happens. They were simply worshiping, fasting, and praying. A normal routine. Ordinary people can hear the Spirit speak. I think we need to be reminded that our God is a missionary God. And the Bible is a missionary Bible. And the church is a missionary church. We're sent. We're a sending agency, and we also send each other. Jesus sent out to 12. He sent out, right, to 70. And the Holy Spirit is still sending out today. And so the gospel is a missionary message, and the church is a missionary institution. So, so God sent Jesus, the first missionary, and God sent his word, right? He didn't send you out without a word, without instructions. The Bible, listen to it, Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basics, instructions before leaving earth. He gave you the message. He gave you the... The whole thing, it's not like he gave you a mystery. It's not like he's trying to trick you. He's called you and he's sending you. And you have a call and you have a purpose and God has a plan. Then Jesus sent his disciples. He sent uh, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus and the Holy Spirit sent the church. The Spirit sent the church. The whole Trinity is ascending. If the church is not focused on a lost world, then it's not founded on the word. Our goal is to seek and to save that which is lost. Lost in PNG, lost in Greene County, Christian County, Stone County, Pulaski County, Douglas County. I don't know how many counties. I can't name them all. I'm not here to name every county. But you get it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We have to go. 
Who's supposed to go? All of us are supposed to go. Not just prophets and, and teachers and apostles. Not just pastors and evangelists. All of us are called to go. We're in an evangelism series right now on Sunday nights. Pastor Mark is going to do the last part of this tonight, 6 o'clock. Don't miss it. Because many people say, I would be involved in going and being sent, but I'm scared. Well, join the rest of us. Well, I'm shy. No, you're not. You just think you're shy. We saw you. We saw you. You're not as shy as you thought you were. You're shy with, you're shy with where you want to be shy at. Mm-hmm. And when you were lost, there wasn't nothing shy about you then, dancing on the tables at the bar room. How many, how many know that just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you shut down your personality? If you'd have as much passion for Jesus in the church as you did for the devil in the world, we could change the world. Melissa and I, we was talking this uh, last week about reminiscing about when we got saved. We radically got saved. I don't know if you just kind of tiptoed into the kingdom. Oh, I was lost, but now I'm saved. Uh, nothing different. Uh, I would beg, I would beg to say that maybe you didn't have a transformation, but we were different. We were different. We took everything we had that belonged to the devil and burned it. We were serious about this. I said, we were serious about this. If I still had all the LPs of albums that I had, I would be a rich man right now. Burned them all. Guess what else I burned? My eight tracks. They're bound to be worth something. What are you still holding on to that God wants to set you apart from? Here's a good question. Because for God to use you, you first must be ministering to him. And you can't minister unto him with a guilty conscience. Nobody's perfect, but you can't live in sin and be, you know, full of the Holy Spirit at the same time. You can't willfully disobey God, fornicate and, and medicate and all kind of aids. You can't do all of that in the world and have God too. You have to be set apart. Set apart for me. I'm calling you. And God's calling the church out. You can't be the same as you were. If you're the same as you were, get back to the altar. And let's get this thing right. Minister to the Lord and the Lord will use you. How many believe that this morning? Church is the incubator for, for missions. And, and how many were involved? Barnabas, he was a Levite from Cyprus, wealthy guy. Remember he bought, he sold his property. Remember that in Acts chapter two? The property he sold was in his hometown in Cyprus. He sold that and laid it at the apostles' feet. You remember that? Chapter 6, 7. And then uh, chapter 5, I think it was. But, but Barnabas was one. Then Simeon called Niger. It means black. So most scholars believe he was dark-skinned. It has nothing to do with race. Everybody over there had dark skin. Even Jesus, Middle Eastern person, had some dark skin, right? So the color of your skin means nothing. I said, in a world that's gone racism mad, how many know your skin doesn't matter? God matters. It's your heart that matters, not your skin. Can you imagine if bald people were secluded as God's best? I mean, you'd see like a glow over my head, like, whoa. I'd give me an orange robe. I could be a monk. Stand in the tree somewhere and be holy. While the rest of you little people are no good. How many know it has nothing to do with you? I said it has nothing to do with being Jew or Gentile. It has everything to do with obeying the word of Jesus. 
He speaks. He calls Simeon and Lucius of Cyrene. He also was dark colored from North Africa. All of them had dark skin. Menaean, he was brought up with the Herod, rich. Uh, he was really, really, really wealthy and, and uh, entitled. I mean, he had uh, education. He had everything, right? Yet when God called him, he gave all that up. You remember what Moses said, who was also raised in the palace with Pharaoh? He said, I'd rather choose to suffer with the people of God than have all the treasures of Egypt. That's a choice. Remember what Joshua said? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Serving the Lord means ministering to the Lord. Giving your life completely to him. Who knows what God can do? Do you know how much potential is in this room right now? With anyone here who would say yes to God, who would say, you can have my all, I lay it down. If God could call Ron and Melissa from a little town in Louisiana to go around the world, basically, to take the gospel, he can call anyone. So, well, I don't have the smarts. Don't worry about it. He'll look past your smarts. You're not as smart as you thought you were. Well, I don't have the looks. <laughs> look at me. I mean, doesn't God have a sense of humor? Don't take yourself so seriously. Look in the mirror tomorrow morning and just say, wow, God. (laughs) Wonderfully made. Marvelously made. Perfectly made, no. Manian. And then Saul of Tarshish. Different people making up the body of Christ, controlled by the Spirit, blended together in unity, blended together in character, blended together in purpose. They were the church. They're the church. And, and, and I'm not sure what you think the church is, but I've got to tell you what it's not real quick before we get out of here. The church is not a country club. Hey, this is not the Elks Club. Okay, This is not the Knights of Columbus. You don't pay a fee to come in and get your way. We're not exclusive to everybody. We're inclusive to people. But how many know when they come in, they have to come in the same way we all came in? We don't have a, you don't have a mark. How many know there is a group that's going to get a mark very soon? I don't want to be a part of that number. I feel like singing, oh, when the saints go marching in. That's what I just, I feel like singing, but I'm not. But I got to keep preaching. And y'all are staring at me, and it's kind of weird, but. It's not, it's not a country club for the select few. It's not a house for plastic hypocrite people. It's not a house for plastics. Okay? I don't care how much money you got or how many degrees you got. It's not about you. This house is the house of the Lord. Amen? It's God's house. It's God's house, and everybody here are God's servant. There's no big eyes and little U's. Right? We're all one body. One God, one body, one spirit, one baptism. One kingdom, right? And so uh, we're real people. One of the beautiful things about Oak Grove, if you're looking for a church, this is a good one. You know why? They are what they are. They're the genuine article. They are the real deal. Perfect? Absolutely not. You don't take three steps, you'll find somebody. Gonna look at you wrong. Trust me. Stare you down for sitting in their seat. But don't you know that was my seat when I got here 100 years ago? Still my seat. All you got to tell you what you do. Boom, bump them over. Bump them over. I want you to tweet that. 
the early church was on fire. They had supernatural power from the Holy Spirit. It was visible, ver- verbal. Okay, they spoke the word everywhere they went, wherever they were. That's how Simon, listen, I think this Simon, I think he was the one that carried the cross of Jesus from Cyrene. Hey, go back in the Gospels, look at it. Remember the soldiers say, hey, you, take up his cross and make it, take it up the hill. I believe that guy was so impacted ah, by the power of carrying the Lord's cross. The blood of Jesus fell down his own face. I believe he went back to Cyrene, said, whoever he is, I want what he's got. That's how I believe he got there. And, uh, and, and you, can look, you can see other people like Rufus and all them others. Mm, powerful. It didn't, just, it didn't just happen. You read the Bible as if it just happened. This one saw that and went over there and told them that. And they told them that. And they had that. And they had that. And it's all connecting. It's connecting. Jewish people are telling Gentile people. And the word's getting out that Jesus is alive. Woo, and they're excited about it. They're excited about it. Oh, it's serious. When you look back, you can see three great events. Bethlehem, Calvary, and Pentecost. At Bethlehem, God was with us. At Calvary, God stood in behalf for us. And at Pentecost, God came to live within us. How many know God's still moving in the church? Still moving. It's history. Acts is the history book of the old of the New Testament. And when this when this brother Paul starts preaching in a minute, I can't preach it today. I can't preach it today. I want to, but you have to eat. Oh, I want to preach it. I want to preach it. There's no way I can preach it like Paul must have preached it. Boy, the Holy Spirit made warriors and witnesses out of these weaklings and wimps. Peter just. Before before Pentecost, he's warming by the fire of the world. After Pentecost, he stands and says, hey, this is the Holy Spirit prophesied by Joel. In the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit. He's preaching, preaching. Now, Paul, Paul gets it because I think Paul heard it from Stephen who got it. And in the face of pelting down with stones, not pebbles, not little rocks you get out of the garden out there, big old stones. Boom. You understand? One will crack your skull. And while they're pelting him with stones, he's preaching. And yet we got cowards in the pulpit today that won't stand up for righteousness and preach truth. Why? They're scared to lose a little bit of tithe and a little bit of people attendance. Can I tell you? I want to preach to a church that wants to move in the spirit. I want to be a church that's sending and being sent. I don't want to be a part of a cowardly bunch that's hiding and waiting for Jesus to come. I want to be a part of the church that's taking this gospel to the street, in the mountain, over at Walmart, at the Mexican restaurant, which I attend a lot. Probably will be after this. Feeling an enchilada coming on me. Remember when they were surprised, the disciples, when Jesus saw potential in the woman at Samaria? They were surprised. What are you talking to her for? She's been married five times. The one she's with is not her husband. He said, you don't think I know that? Where were you, Philip, when I threw the stars in the sky? 
Who are you to tell me what I don't know? He already know. How many know Jesus knows the next convert's going to get saved here? Next person you're going to wait on at your restaurant? The next person you're going to see at your, in your classroom? He already knows. And he's going to help you if you'll answer the call today. And so we live in a day of denial among churches that there is even a harvest to gain. Chrissy, you can come back, give them a little hope. There is a harvest to gain. Does anybody believe that? Come on, does anybody believe that still a harvest to gain? I mean, I believe the greatest days for the church are ahead. I believe the days uh, in P&G are going to be grateful, great and uh, for, for harvest and profitable for the kingdom. Because God knows how to take the Rojacks. No, let them train the Julians. Now the Julians are going to take on with others that have went with them. And they're going to take on. And then they're going to pass that baton. And it's going to be. How many know the work of God will go on? Listen to me. The work of God will go on. With or without you. I'm giving you an opportunity this morning to say yes to the Lord. All you got to do is lift your hand right now and just say, yes, Lord. Come on. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Use me, God. There is a harvest to gain. I'm not paralyzed. I'm not isolated in these four walls. I'm not unaware that there are people within the shadow of this steeple who are dying and going to go to hell. Seldom are we around sinners. How can you influence people if you never go around people? God never called the church to go in their house and shut their shades and, and shut their garage doors and never go out. I mean, no, COVID should have taught us that. We were meant to be together. How many know the churches are meant to be out and about speaking and sharing the love of Jesus? Jesus sat with sinners, but what Jesus didn't do was sin with sinners. Somebody help me out here. Jesus didn't sin with sinners. He sat with sinners. A big difference. There's a big difference. And we live in a culture today that's confused. They think that if you're going to win somebody to Jesus, you've got to sit down and drink a beer with them. Say, Pastor, there may be a harvest, but maybe not here. Old Grove's not going to grow. Old Grove's not going to go nowhere. Old Grove's not going to advance in evangelism. Well, if you keep it selective, I have to agree. If it's just me and you and everybody like us, we're not going to go out beyond this wall and do anything different to anybody else, then you're right. You can look at the the last breed, the dying bunch. We're not going to go past the level of what you see in this house unless somebody rises up and say, Use me, Lord. I believe in missions. You might be saying, God, you're not trying to send me, are you? But from this, pre, this historic prayer meeting, they waited before God in worship. Write this down, please. It's the last thing I'm going to say. Before we can ever minister to anybody else, we must first minister to Jesus. I don't care if you go out there and share your faith. If you're not reading your Bible every day, if you're not praying every day. You're not part of the body of Christ. You're not doing anything. You're not paying tithe. You're just coming in, sucking the air, conditioning, the heat, whatever, enjoying your comfortable position. You've got to get involved in the work of God. Minister to the Lord. Serve the Lord. That's what ministry is. It's about Him. Don't get caught up in working for God. 
instead of worshiping the one that we serve. Praise him for the past deliverance. I wonder, does anybody here have any past deliverances that you can praise the Lord for? Come on, let me see your hand. If you got any, then go ahead and do it. Just give him a praise right now for any past deliverance. Just, just clap your hands, shout, scream to the Lord. Say, Lord, you brought me out. You brought me out of that to bring me into this. Praise him for who he is. Praise his name. Bless his name forever. Learn how to fast. Learn how to pray. Learn how to be in the house every day. It was the norm. It wasn't the neglected. Their worship was unhurried. I know we're trying to get out of here. One more minute. One more minute. I got to squeeze in, preach everything I know so you can get an education. You walk out here and do nothing with it. Unhurried, unregimented. They stayed in the house of the Lord 10 days in Acts 2. In this, in this situation, I don't know how long they were there, but they were ministering, fasting, praying, and God showed up. It's amazing that the prayer meeting at the church is never a crowded place. Not in America. But what are the results? Out of this worship, prayer, fasting, and waiting came a clarion call, a clear direction to ordain, set apart Barnabas and Saul as the first missionaries. It started in a prayer meeting. Mission started in a prayer meeting, Phil. It actually started in the mind of God before the world began because God sent his one and only son. First missionary was Jesus. The first missionary was Jesus. And he was willing to go and he was willing to suffer. He was willing to die and lay it all down. Obviously, this calling started personally. And then the church, by the Spirit of God, confirmed it. Then they were sent by God, sent by the Spirit, sent by the church. This is, this is our last message today before we take a break. Paul's going to come back with three missionary journeys. Each one starting in Antioch, Pisidian. And they all in there, except for the last one. He's going to go to Jerusalem. Traveling with him is Barnabas and John Mark. Two men and a youth. Sounds like a new business, huh? Two men in a truck. Here you go. Two men and a youth. They're going to change the world for God. The first stop, Cyprus. I can't, I can't leave without, without dealing with the arrogance and the pride. Barnabas is such a great example. He allowed Paul to take the lead. He was a leader, but he took a step back and allowed Paul to take the lead. Without envy, without jockeying for position, Phil, he just kind of, he said, you know what? I believe God's time is on your life. And uh, Saul is now Paul. He was both a Roman citizen and a Jewish. So his name was actually Saul Paulos. Saul named after King Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. Paulos, a Roman name. The heart of Barnabas, though, was, was not interested in titles, but a testimony. What a beautiful spirit. He befriended Paul when nobody would. He invited Paul to join him at Antioch, seeing the potential. He allowed him to take the lead without envy and jealousy. He put, he put God's will above his own. 
And then the devil showed up. Might be a part of a personality deal. You know, if, if Barnabas was son of encouragement, he might not have looked at that old Elemas and said, in the eyeball, God strike you blind. But Paul did. How I many know it takes all kinds to do the work of God? So Barnabas backed in. Paul stepped up, took care of the devil that was trying to oppose the work of God. I love the word. Don't you love the word of God? Could you help me give God praise for the first half of this study? I've enjoyed it immensely. I don't want to bore you to death. Would you stand with me? Arrogance and pride have no place in ministry. I don't, I can't, I I, I can't do it. I'll just give it to you like this. He started with Israel's history, all the way to John the Baptist, all the way to Jesus. (laughs) I can't, I can't. I might start our next half off with that sermon in, in, in chapter 13. It was so powerful. But the very people imploded on the inside. It's the Jews that came against Paul. Well, that's no secret. They came against the Lord too, right? Because they were threatened by losing their stuff and their identity and their religious ways. They Nobody wants to lose religion. They hold on to that territory. But how many know God's wanting to break that thing in the name of Jesus? It takes somebody who's willing to answer the call, step out, and do the will of God. We're going to ask you to come to the altar. If you have to go, I understand. If you, if you, if you go to La Hacienda before I do, don't eat all the tacos. I'll be there shortly. But somebody needs to take care of business right now. Right now. So I want you to bow your heart real quick.